Again, Lord, that is the cry of our heart this morning, is that we would fall in love with the person of Jesus all over again as we wait to see what it is that you are going to do in the midst of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So you guys can be seated. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, if you would put your hand in the air, maybe Jeff Meyer might hand you one. I've got some in the back there. So it looks like you all brought your Bible. It's pretty good for you because, you know, uh, you need to check up on this guy up here and make sure that what's coming out here is what's in there, right? Um, uh, we need to all be students of the Bible, don't we? I think we do. I think we all need to be students of the Bible. Um, so that we, as, as we come, we can tell, recognize the difference between what is of the Lord and what is of just a man standing there talking, right? So uh, what I'd like to do again is uh, pray over the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, and to direct us. So let's pray. Lord, Father, you are so good, and I ask you again, humbly, that you would... Empty me right now um, as I approach your word. That your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide today. That you would instruct us. That you would correct us if need be. But most of all, I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to fall in love with the person of Jesus. And that that love for Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit would empower us then to do what it is that you call us to do, and that is to tell the truth about Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read you the whole of chapter 1, and then we will sort of get in and see um, some key points that I think that the Scripture uh, is taking us to. This is the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. I think it's a little misnomer to say it's the Acts of the Apostles. I think it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, working through the apostles, because um, we are going to see that all that it is that the church is to do is powered by the Holy Spirit of God. So, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John, 
and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And he said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Jesus. He became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in his ministry. Now this man acquired a field with a reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akadama. That is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us uh, during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. The breadth of the book of Acts, it just fires me up. I, I have this sort of... Um, Desire, uh, if you will, or a passion that sometimes goes a little crazy. I get a little outside myself. I get a little full of what it is that I think that God has stirred in me um, as it concerns the church. Even our leadership here in this church has said to me at times, Jesus loves the church more than you. Right? And that those those things, and, and when I say that that I have a passion and a love for the church, it's it's not the building and it's not the ministry and it's not the doing. It's the it's the people and the hearts of those that that gather here together. And my passion is that all would be well with with all of you and with me, and that and that um, Christ would be so magnified in our lives that. That I look out upon the congregation and I see victorious Christian lives being lived, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That that people would be engaged fully, a hundred percent, in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and I get a little uh, wound up about that. I get a little fired up. And like I said, the leadership has had to kind of mellow me at times and say, "No, we understand, Jeff, that." Just because it needs to be done, my friend uh, Doug would say, just because it needs to be done does not mean you need to do it, right? And uh, and also that there's a little bit of waiting on the Lord's timing. And and so often, I think we get in our lives this, this, this desire to go and do great things, and they're really good things, right? But then you hear the worst words in the world to my ears seem to be, wait. I hear those words, and I'm like, wait? Why wait? I have the power of conviction. I understand my direction. 
I understand what it is that I believe that God has called me to do. I, I know what I'm supposed to do. Let's get to it. Let's get to work. Duck your head and go forward. And then I hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's like, what? Oh, do I fight that? Do I fight waiting? But I think that, that waiting is a, is a valuable lesson for us. Because often what happens then, and it's happened in my life, is that I get forward of what the Holy Spirit's work is. What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to do, and when does He want to do it? When does the Holy Spirit want a work to be done? Not when does Jeff think this needs to be done in, in my timeline. Um, you may very well be correct and in line with the will of God, he might say to me. You may very well be there, but not yet. In my time. And I'm so glad that God has, has, has directed me in that because then when I find out how God's plan was and how he works it out, in hindsight, I can look back and go, that would have been a big mistake for me to have gone where my heart and my mind went. It was the right thing, but not the right time. And then as I watch God orchestrate in other people's lives, everything comes together, and I'm like, I'm so glad. I am so glad that I would be. But there's a thing here in the book of Acts that is asking the apostles there to wait. And I believe it's asking us too as a church. And he's giving us, there's a task that must be done while we wait. What do we do while we wait? And God has orchestrated this in my life time and time again. What do you do while we wait? I remember wanting to be engaged in, in some ministry that wasn't happening. And I was driving fairly long distance, working in Beaverton and living here and, and driving back and forth. And there was a song on the radio that kept playing that was I will worship while I'm waiting. And that song said everything to me. What do you do when you're told to wait? Worship. Worship God. So I think that today, that this is an exciting day. It's an exciting day in the life of this church. It's, it's an exciting day because here in Carlton we get to begin a brand new day. And I think that beginning in a brand new day, I think the place to go is backwards. A little bit. It's a brand new day. What was the what was the new day like for the Christian when the Holy Spirit came upon them? When the Book of Acts launched the church, it was a brand new day, and it was a lot of excitement. A lot, a lot of excitement. Well, it's a brand new day, and this church right here, this body, this particular one, um, it's a living organism. It's not just an organization. It is. We have to be organized and orderly and those kind of things. But this is, an, this is an organism that has a life. It has a deep life. One in which you and I, being alive together, make up this body. We make up this life together as we grow to live together. And we wait upon the Holy Spirit together. And then we move forward together. So one of the things I think that we ought to seek is unity while we wait. We seek unity while we wait. But it has a particular purpose for the kingdom of God. And I asked myself this question this week, and I'm going to ask it of you too, is are you ready for a new life? Not that your life is bad where it was, but are you ready for a new life in Christ? Are you ready for the renewal of the body of Jesus Christ to work together? Are you ready for the church 
to be brand new? Are you ready for the church to get back to what it is that he called us to do? And number one, and we sang it so well in this last song, is that Jesus to be our forever love, to fall in love with Jesus Christ while we wait, to seek him, to fall in love with the person of Jesus while we wait, and to grow in unity together, one with another. And I see this in this text this morning. And in the, in the leadership, too, of this church, one thing I, I want to say before we, I dive in here a little bit further is the leadership of this church is excited about what the Holy Spirit is doing. They were excited about what God has stirred in us as we launched together. And I've never had a time um, where I, I felt so united with, with brothers who love and care for one another, who love and care for me, who love and care for all of you. I, I, I have not experienced that in, in such a long time. And um, God has been orchestrating this, this unity for months and, and years. He's been orchestrating it. And, and we're on the precipice, I believe, of just really great things that God is going to do in us. And God is going to do in all of you, in all of your lives, as you participate in the ministry of Jesus. But right now, let's wait. Right now, let's wait. So, when we get to verse 1 here, it says, In the, in the first book, O Theophilus, I'm going to pause there. It's not going to take us. It's going to take me a while to get through this because um, in the first book, of course, he's referring to the book of Luke, which I read a, a piece of it um, to you this morning. And the piece that I read to you this morning was about the idea that the church really begins before it starts, because as Jesus is is uh, talking with them, he says, "These are my words that were in the law and the prophets and the Psalms, right." That, that the, the witness of Jesus Christ began before the incarnate person of Jesus, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ really began long, long ago. And that the church sort of began before it started, in, in essence. So bear with me as I, as, I, as I get to that. And then he says that, that these must be fulfilled, that those things that were spoken of Christ must be fulfilled. And how are they fulfilled? They're fulfilled in you and they're fulfilled in me as we are obedient to what God calls the church to do, as we wait for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us, then we are fulfilling what it is that was said of Christ. We are, are making that fulfillment come about because we are living it out. And that the ministry of Jesus goes on and on and on. And it goes on because of obedient believers in Jesus who follow him, who directed by the Holy Spirit, engage in the life and, and the ministry of the church. And then at the end of, of Luke's account um, in uh, 24, 53, uh, he says, and continually in the temple they were blessing God. They were waiting for the day. They were waiting for the day when the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And what did they do while they waited? They worshipped God. And in this first verse, Theophilus, his name means a lover of God. So it's addressed to you and I, the lovers of God. It, there's, there's some debate on whether this Theophilus was an actual person that he's addressing a letter to. But I believe that he's addressing this letter to you and me. He says, in this first book, O lover of God, 
I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. I believe that the ministry of the church boils down to a, a, a sentence, and I don't like catchphrases much, but I, I do like this one, because it is very simply what the church is about. The church is to know Jesus and to make him known. And so what is it that the Holy Spirit is asking us to wait for? He's asking us to wait to make Jesus known, which implies to me the work that is done while you wait. The work that is done while you wait is to know Jesus. I need to get to know Jesus. I need to fall in love with him all over again. I need to press into him to who he is for me, to who he is for all of us. The church needs to get back to some simple things and get back into knowing the person of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals him to us. And then when he comes upon us, then we are empowered. We are empowered to do what? Well, he says here, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, he said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he tells us this, that as we wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, he is forming us and we are discovering who it is that Jesus is. Because being a witness in this text means to tell the truth about. You are to be witnesses to Jesus. How can you tell the truth about Jesus unless you know him? Unless you truly, truly know him. So I love that the Holy Spirit says wait. I, I love that he says wait because then he also tells us this, that when you wait and when I come upon you, when I fill you up, then you will have the power to tell the truth about Jesus. And so while we wait, ought we not to try to discover the truth about who Jesus is while we wait? So I think it's clear that we worship while we wait, that we get to know the person of Jesus Christ while we wait. And I'm going to skip ahead to, um, to verse 14 because as, as, as he here is talking about another thing, I believe, that he's telling us to do while we wait. Verse 14 says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. You see here that in the waiting, another thing I see is that, yes, one, we, as we wait, we worship. As we wait, we discover and get to know the person of Jesus. Two things I see in this verse that we do while we wait. Pray and seek unity. Seek unity amongst each other, amongst brothers and sisters. And one thing I do know about this is that this says to me that prayer in unity always 
should proceed ministry. That as we gather together, that we ought to pray for unity. And what do we unite around? Simply the other things that we talked about. We unite around the worship of God. We unite around the person of Jesus Christ. We unite around prayer. We unite in each other. So that when the Holy Spirit comes, we can know the truth about who Jesus is. I want to read you a little something that, that is in a, a devotional that I often read. Because I just love the way that this sums this up. And it's 600 years old. Um, it's, it's a great devotional. Thomas Akempis, if you've ever read him, The Imitation of Christ. And in this, it just really sums up the heart of what I think God wants us to do while we wait for the Holy Spirit to empower this church, to empower this body, to empower this life, to empower your life, to be engaged in telling the truth about Jesus. He says, My son, the more you can go out of yourself, the more you will be able to enter into me. Even to desire nothing that is without, without produces inward peace. So the forsaking of yourself inwardly joins you to God. I wish you to learn perfect renunciation of yourself in my will, without contradiction or without complaint. Follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which you ought to follow, the truth which you ought to believe, the life which you ought to hope for. I am the way invoidable. I am the truth infallible, the life unending. I am the way that is straightest, the truth that is highest, the life that is truest, the life blessed, the life uncreated. If you remain in my way, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and you shall lay hold of eternal life. I think that's knowing Jesus, isn't it? That's knowing the fullness of the person of Christ and who he is for us. And I think while we wait for the Lord and the Holy Spirit to empower us, to go out and tell that truth about Jesus. This is the Jesus I want to know. This is the Jesus I want to know. I want to know the Jesus that, that completely communicates to me and to my heart that I know that I can't go without him. That the way I don't know where I'm going, I'm lost if I don't go with him. Because his way is the right way. And I know that, that without him, without the truth of who Jesus is, I can know nothing. And without the life that Jesus lived for me, I cannot live. I am but a dead man without him. And so are you. And so I, I say today that this may be, again, another invitation. Another invitation for, for one who may be here this morning. That maybe uh, the Holy Spirit has just been prompting you the whole time we've been here. I know that the Holy Spirit's been tapping on my heart this morning. <laughs> tapping on my mind, and, and I, I would bet that if there's one here who doesn't know Jesus, that this morning the Holy Spirit has been tapping on you, and he's been asking you to make a decision. And you might say, well, not today, but do you realize that your indecision is a decision? If you don't decide today, you decided. So I say today, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to obey him, listen to what he says, and he will teach you who the person of Jesus is. And spend time learning who he is so that you can go tell the truth about him to others when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to empower you to tell the truth about Jesus. This is my prayer for the church this morning. This is my prayer for my life. 
I pray that I would patiently wait, that I would not get ahead of the Holy Spirit, that I would allow the Holy Spirit to go before me, and that I would just submit to His perfect will, and that in the meantime, while I wait, I would worship Him, that I would get to know Jesus, that I'd be engaged in prayer, seeking unity amongst my brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Lord, Father, you are so good. And we are so thankful for your Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray, especially for this particular body, in this particular place this morning, that your Holy Spirit would come upon us, that it would empower us um, to just tell the truth about the good news of Jesus Christ, that you laid your life down for us after living a perfect life, that you laid it down on the cross. But that death couldn't hold you, and three days later you rose from the grave. And that you are you have ascended to heaven to be at the right hand of God. And that you are coming again one day to take your church home to be with you. And that as we press into this life of Christ, as we live it, that that very, very soon you could come back, and that you may come back today. And so, Lord, uh, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. In your son's name we pray. Amen.